All right. Is that when we bring in the baritone? Because <laughs> I think that's what people want. They want more baritone. Do they want more of this podcast? I don't know. Do we want to keep doing <laughs> that's that? That's a philosophical question. I, I don't know if people want more of this podcast. <laughs> we, well, we lost our studio. At yep. least we moved. We moved. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to try to record something in a children's ministry room that's ridiculous like that's all that we got like we don't have a legitimate studio anymore it's weird we got out of the the habit of doing it we've had a lot of changes since we did this yeah i don't know i'm open for it i mean i'm open to do a few more episodes the thing is is like our picture is completely different I don't even have hair Even our anymore. names are different. I know. There's so, a lot that's so actually So if we happened. were to do this, like we would have to make some changes. Update the picture, update the spelling of my name. Yeah. We could do a whole episode on that. Just your name? Like people care. <laughs> <laughs> Recording. Should I say I'm Jeff Ecker? I'm just, no, 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 that's stupid. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. taken a I guess a bit of a sabbatical some time off yeah yeah quite a bit has happened since we've done that and we've over the last few years we've amassed a pretty big audience out there and then we just walked away I think if I remember right I should have done this before recording but in the last episode I think we kind of said there are some changes happening didn't we do that I don't remember it was so <laughs> so long ago <laughs> Well, we'll just tell you now, there's been a lot happened between our last recording and this one. We don't want to bore you with the details, but... We're going to bore you with, with the, the details. details. <laughs> we, uh, we did move. We moved our ministry headquarters of Never the Same, and we lost our studio in, in effect because it was in that building. Right. And in that process, we packed up all the equipment and moved locations and, yeah, new building... The yep. building is not equipped right now with a studio. So so we're in Daybreak Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And here's a couple quick updates that have happened s- since our last episode and our last season is that I became the senior pastor, lead pastor, whatever you want to call it, at Daybreak Church, a church that has been associated with with our ministry, and I've been associated with personally. Jason, you've had an association with this church. Uh, for many years, yes. I was on staff full-time as the student ministries director here at this church. And I've then, been in this room that we're sitting in before, even today. And I basically uh, plucked you away from the church to work at Never the Same. And, and then you plucked me away from Never the Same to work at the church. <laughs> Wait, how is this working? <laughs> Things happen in... Uh, Cycles. Because I'm still working for Never the Same, but I'm also working at 
daybreak. Hey, me too. Hey. Wow. <laughs> so, Jason, you, you've jumped back into youth ministry in a local church, and you've been out for how long has it been? It's been nine years. Nine years. Wow, long time. So yep. you've yep, been on staff at Never the Same or National Youth Ministry for nine years. So this school year, you've been back in. So between all the changes of making that physical move of our headquarters and losing our studio and with the added responsibilities that you and I have both had and not only that move but with a local church ministry and youth ministry setting it kind of set us back and took up quite a bit of our bandwidth but we have had a lot of people say are you going to keep doing this are you going to continue to produce episodes well the short answer is for now yes we are the long answer is we don't really know exactly at this moment, but we're going to try to figure it out as we go. So that's why the recording is happening right now. That's right. And we've we've discussed, do we want to continue to do this and, uh, you know, what might look different in the future? And so we're sorting through that. But we felt very, very, very compelled to not only just do this to bring you up to date, but to bring you a mini series of some content and some episodes that we believe are absolutely critical for you as a youth worker, as youth pastors, a parent, teacher, whoever you might be working with students. We just feel like this is absolutely critical and it was important enough to for us to literally dig out the equipment, set up a, a makeshift studio here and to get these next few episodes to you. Yeah, when we had camp this summer, NCS Camp 2021, we asked six foundational questions for students to answer for themselves. And as we went through this and the results that we've seen from leaders excited about asking their students about these questions and seeing the students' response to these questions and, and almost being enlightened by what they've learned, we were more compelled to bring that audio to you in a mini series because it is so good. We invited Michelle Rewa. How would you describe her? Michelle Rio, I would describe her as a passionate um, student of apologetics, of science, of faith, and how all those things, faith and reason combine, as well as her passion for getting this information into the minds and hearts of students. And she is not a full-time minister, but she has the heart for ministry and for students, and yet she also has a heart for science and apologetics. And so she has brought these questions, these foundational questions to allow us to look at our faith with a reason, reasonable logic, and to be able to answer these questions, to have strength in our faith ultimately. And the response to these questions in, in this summer caused us to go, these questions need to be disseminated in a broader sense. So along with doing that, we're just introducing this next mini series of episodes that will be upcoming about six questions your students must answer. And we believe each one is absolutely critical and essential. So we're going to be taking Michelle's talks before a live audience of students recorded in the summer of 2021 at NTS Camp. And these will be great resource pieces for you to get out to colleagues, to parents, to ministry friends, and others, because we need to be addressing these issues with students. Jason, over the last two years, there's been so much that's happened, so much change. We're still in this COVID disruption period, that I call it. And during that, it's highlighted the fact that we need to double down in our efforts to help, to minister to, to support, to encourage, to resource students, 
and those that work with them. And this series will be a great resource for you. You can even take the audio from these episodes and play it in front of your adult leaders, in front of your staff, whatever it may be for your context. But it is short enough to to play in a, a setting where it makes sense, but it's long enough to have the meat of what you need to know to answer these questions. So we're, we're going to do some introductions to that. And then Michelle's content is about 15 minutes roughly or so in length. And so again, these are six questions that they're absolutely critical. Now, when we come back, Jason, what I'm going to do is attempt to give some impressions, maybe even some predictions about 2022 that we're going to talk about uh, are those predictions based off the last couple of weeks of 2022 like you've already had some kind of like is it just like a, a gimme well i'll tell you what why don't you eat up and we'll tell you <laughs> come back and you'll find out jason oh all right please join us after the break is that how we want to do the break that was sounded I mean, unscripted, just, yeah, even though we wrote out all this word. I know, for and then it just seems like we just rehearsed it, and it wasn't really. It came off pretty. Um, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. Sterile. Sterile. Yeah. Yeah, that's I probably mean, we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, we're maybe past our prime. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, still recording. Hello. share with you now are some some very strong impressions that I have about what I think we're about to go through as we record this it's the beginning of 2022 and I want to talk specifically about this next period of time that we're going to go through and Jason I'll just give a little setup in a background that a few episodes back back in one of our previous episodes we talked about some predictions uh, that I made in the year 2010 and what I did in 2010 was I looked at the state of youth ministry in 2010. I looked back to what the state of youth ministry was in 2000 and then gave some predictions that of what I thought might happen in 2020. And what was kind of weird is I actually did a talk in 2010 to some youth workers about that and set that aside, totally forgot about it, and then discovered it in 2020. It was very, very strange. I was moving my offices at the time and found this the notes that I had had and I'm not saying I'm like a futurist necessarily. I'm not saying I'm like a prophet. But about a year ago in 2021, early 2021, I began to go on this process of, of what I felt like was some, some pretty serious and significant impressions that I felt like I got from, from God at that time. And a lot of these, I believe, aren't just for me, but um, can be thought of on a broader scale to a broader audience. And that's why I'm sharing it with you today. So these aren't things that, Jason, you asked, did you just think of these a couple weeks ago? These are things I've actually been thinking about, processing and praying about for about a year. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, and you had about four thoughts uh, in regards to Elijah and how they are parallel to what we're experiencing right now as, as a culture, as a world, and as essentially the church. And you start to, to kind of present these thoughts about, these comparisons and what we're experiencing and what Elijah went through. And, and so do you want to 
present that first thought? Yeah, and to set up that thought, like you said, Jason, I about a year ago started reading through the story of Elijah. We're introduced to him in 1 Kings 17, but particularly those two chapters. And as you listen to this, as you set this podcast uh, aside in your minds for a minute, you might take a minute after you listen to this episode to read or even pause right now or to pull it up as you're listening to it if you can and look at 1 Kings 17 and 18. So we're introduced to Elijah. I, I was reading his story, Jason, I was... And as I read it, I realized, at least for me, I believe that God brought to my mind, and this is the power of Scripture, the parallels between what was happening in 1 Kings 17, 18 and what we're facing today. So these four thoughts that I have are, I'm sharing with you some private thoughts that now I'm making public. I've shared them in a couple smaller settings with my staff at Never the Same and also staff at Daybreak Church where I'm the lead pastor. But, but to set it up, Elijah comes out of nowhere. He's this prophet. He goes before King Ahab in 1 Kings 17. Ahab is the king of Israel at that time. He's not a very good king in terms of his leadership and what he's doing. He's allowing Israel, the people of God, to be infiltrated by all this worship of Baal and these other gods. He married Jezebel. That was not a good decision, who also was very instrumental in bringing in people of other faiths. So you have all these prophets and influencers in Israel that are outside of their faith, representing a faith that is exactly the antithesis, the opposite of their faith and belief in Yahweh and all their traditions. He goes before Ahab, Elijah does, and our introduction to him, without knowing anything about him, is he goes before King Ahab and says, it's not going to rain except at my word. In other words, it's not going to rain until I say it does. That was not a very popular thing. Ahab... Uh, then begins to hunt down Elijah. Elijah goes on the run. He goes into hiding, and then this drought begins. Now, we're going to talk about the effects of this drought, but during that time of the drought at the beginning, Elijah goes off, and he finds that God provides. He provides water for him. He provides food, a place for him to live. Then that water source dries up. Then Elijah moves to another place with the widow, sees God do some miraculous things and how he provides and what he does with that family, the widow and her son. And then Elijah comes back in chapter 18, out of hiding, goes back before the king and says, it's now about to rain. There's a confrontation on Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah sets up a moment where he stands before Israel literally and symbolically as God's people, and he stands before them and says, you need to make a decision. You've been wavering between these two faith beliefs, between belief in Baal and belief in Yahweh, and I am forcing you today to make a decision, and he puts God on display, and there through this confrontation, there was a miracle that took place, and it actually was a very pivotal moment for the people of God. And it all came through this man, Elijah. And what we know in the greater context of Scripture is that Elijah became a mighty prophet. And one of the ways that we know this is not only in how he's referenced outside of, how he's referenced biblically outside of this particular story, his history, but we find, I think, the highlight. What would highlight that is how important Elijah was in the history of God's people is in Matthew 17. In that gospel, when Jesus goes up on the mount and he takes Peter, James, and John, and he's transfigured before these three disciples, and who is standing with him? Moses and Elijah. So it shows his 
status and his stature and as maybe the most or definitely one, one of the most influential prophets in Scripture. Now, in, in, in light of all that, I started to think about the parallels of what's happening. Now, we know that it didn't rain. This drought happened for three and a half years. So if you think about it, you're an agricultural society. I want you to imagine, as you're listening to this, I want you to imagine you have a family farm, as pretty much everyone does, and you're relying on the elements, the climate, particularly more than anything, you're relying on the rain for your very existence, not only your livelihood, but your life. Now, here they are. One season goes by, and there's no rain. That would be devastating. Two seasons go by. Now, the first season, maybe you've got some stuff stored up in reserve to get through some lean times. But it'd be hard to imagine you'd have enough to get through two years. But that's exactly what happened. They go through the second season, no rain. It's dry. And I can't imagine not only the loss of life, but also the loss of livelihood and how that impacted culture. It was a major, major disruption. But then... To think about a third season, Jason, just uh, it would be unimaginable. Now, we're not as reliant in the modern world upon things like rain. We've got irrigation and other things that we've done. But back then, this, was, this stopped everything. And it's very, very parallel to the disruption that's happening right now in our society. If you had lost your job in that first year when COVID hit and things were starting to shut down, and you think it's only going to be a few months, I have some reserve, I can hopefully withstand this, and then two years go by and you still don't have that income, and then three years start to go by, that is essentially the parallel to no rain, is your income, the the money that you rely on to, to buy food, to feed your family, to keep the house uh, lit up and over your head, you know, that kind of thing, is, that is the drought parallel that we rely so much on the economics of our job our day-to-day earning money and that's what they were experiencing yeah that's a great way to say it jason so their economy was shut down in essence their their very way of living and life was all put on hold for over three years now as i was thinking about this a year ago We're going into the year 2021, and it seemed to me at that time, as I perceive it and remember it, and if if you remember going into late winter, early spring of 2021 and going into the summer, it felt like that the COVID disruption was about to end. It felt like things were getting back to normal uh, where we live, and I traveled all through this time, but I found that that, um, mask mandates and people wearing masks in public was changing. And the vaccine was kind of rolling out, and that affected people's feeling of normalcy and being able to kind of go back to their normal rhythms. People were back in public places and stores and other, you know, just you could see people out and about. And so it felt like, okay, we're going into the summer, we're going into the warmer weather, and it feels like we're almost through this. And in that, Jason, what I I want to start with here and some of my thoughts and predictions about this year was, I felt like if this parallel is true, what we're talking about, Elijah, I got the strong impression about a year ago in 2021, early 21, that we were only about halfway through this disruption. Now, I could be wrong. I'm putting myself out there. I'm putting my private thoughts here in public, but I felt like 
we might just be halfway through disruption. Now, here we are, Jason, a year later going into 2022 and people are going, okay, is it about over? And I've heard people talk this way about it. They've said, uh, it feels like what we've been through is you sign up to run a 5K and when you get to the end of the 3.2 miles, people go, oh, it's actually a half marathon. Then you get to the half marathon point, then you're done. They go, oh yeah, it's a marathon. That's it right. feels like we're past the half marathon point, but we're still going. We don't know when it's going to end here. And that's the the hard part is when you start to think that the finish line is approaching and it it's not. And you're like, so when is the end going to happen? Do I keep going? How do I pace myself to make it to the end? And it's the the psyche of of that race. It's the psyche of of enduring the hardships of life and going, how much more do I take on to endure this or what needs to change or can I mentally or emotionally still handle these kind of things? So that's my first thought here just to set up again the context is that um, we may be in this for a while yet and some people go, well, we're we going back to normal or we never will. Things will settle down. This disruption will end. But let me give you four thoughts that I've had about this parallel in this story that, that at least have rung true to me, and I've been sharing these again with more and more ministry leaders in public settings. But no, the first one is Elijah here spoke about an unpopular reality. He went before the king and said, it's not going to rain. Now, that's not good news. In fact, he risked his life to do that, and he had to go on the run after he did that. I think the application is God's people must be willing to speak up right now at this moment in time. This was not an easy thing for Elijah to say that, you know, it, this was all going to be disrupted. But I believe that God knows how and when to get our attention. And right now, to me, Jason, my assessment is, and I'm talking about people that would say they are Christ followers. It feels like we're drifting. It feels like there's a breakdown of the family. There's a, an exodus of people that have left the church and also people that would say they've stayed within the church, but they've drifted from what I would call orthodox theology, some basic beliefs about the reliability of Scripture as the source of truth, uh, about our identity as people made in the image of God and, and, and how that impacts our beliefs about sexuality. And this feel-good approach to life that has become so prevalent. And I, again, I'm talking about people that would say they're Christians. People would say they're Christ followers. And I think what I would say right now is we cannot be people of faith in Jesus right now and ignore truth that needs to be spoken. And when I say that, I'm not saying that we should blast our messages on our social media because I have a if if you're listening to this and you follow any of my social media you'll know that my my stance is I don't get into debates with people I don't post things just to be controversial or just to get likes or followers just not that way some people do I'm not making any judgment anymore but what I'm saying is I just believe I have a belief and I Jason you've heard me say this our staff no one ever wins the sidewalk debate. That's what happens on social media. So I want to be clear. I'm not saying that we need to stand up on our social media or physical platforms 
and rant and rave about, you know, what we believe and what the Bible says. But I believe that strategically, both publicly and privately, we need to not just sit by and say nothing. We need to be speaking truth at different points in time strategically, even if it's unpopular. And right now is one of those times, in my opinion. It is very unpopular to speak the truth or it's that uh, that is your truth, not my truth. And you can believe what you believe. I am going to believe what I believe. And it, it tends to feel like it's harder and harder to um, convince people of the actual truth. So you have the next thought um, that kind of progresses from the situation where where God kept Elijah alive during the drought. You want to elaborate on this thought? Uh, yeah, the next thing that I felt like was really important in this story and important to us today is that he did keep Elijah, God did keep Elijah alive during the drought that Elijah went into this kind of place of hiding. He kind of went underground, so to speak, and he wasn't as public of a figure during that time. But in the same way, God will keep his ministries and movements alive during COVID, during this disruption. He'll keep those alive that he chooses. And Jason, you and I know of um, people that have lost jobs and loved ones and many, many other things during this disruption that we're in. Supply chains, manufacturing the economy, all the things. I mean, weird things like condiments at restaurants and napkins and issues with unemployment and things, projects being half done or built or completed when it comes to things like cars and buildings because they can't get certain components or parts. It's Garage just a, doors. Yeah, it's just a super weird time that we're in. And in the middle of all that, God provides for his people. And it's not always necessarily and usually isn't just our wants, but it's always our needs. And Jesus himself said to his disciples, and this is a word for us, as his followers, is that he will never leave us or forsake us. There's many people that have lost some very significant things during this disruption. And Jason, you and I know of local churches, local, regional, or national ministries that existed in February of 2020, that as we record this in 2022, in January, that do not exist. They're gone. And it's hard sometimes to understand that or to reconcile that. But I believe there's a truth here in this story that God, as God kept Elijah alive, he will keep his movements and ministries alive that he chooses. And then God did something to Elijah during the drought. What's your thought on that? Well, then the next part there of the story, I think that's important, is that God built Elijah into the mighty prophet he would become. And it was... He did that building inside Elijah during the drought. I think that that work definitely began before and it extended into after. But I believe it was during that great crucible time of testing during that drought that Elijah became this mighty, mighty warrior with with not only exposure, but authority. And I think, Jason, the lesson for us here to think about is that God is doing the same for his people right now and the ministries that 
remain faithful to him, remain faithful to serve him, remain faithful to the truth of of what we're going through. Because this is a very, very difficult time for us as leaders. God is doing some things during the drought. He is always working. He is always moving. He is always planting seeds. And there are people being built and are, are in the infant stages of their faith or in their ministry right now in this drought. That's the good news, Jason, right now that I see is during this disruption that we're in right now, I do see things going away, ministries, churches, whatever. But I also see good things happening and being born and growing and coming into their own. And especially right now, what's most encouraging to me is to look at a lot of young leaders and ministries. There's a new band of prophets, so to speak, and leaders that are being built right now all around us. And what I don't want as more of a seasoned leader is I don't want to miss out on what God's doing right now because there are so many exciting movements that are happening and spring up. There's whole new angles and approaches to ministry. You know, we're involved in national youth ministry, and right now we're involved together in local ministry at, at Daybreak Church. But what we're seeing is there's all these new opportunities to reach people in new ways at Daybreak Church, what was amazing, I was just telling our staff here yesterday, as we're recording this, I was telling them, thank God for the foresight of our founding leader here, Wes Dupin, and the team here that started uh, live streaming, and we call it Daybreak Live. They started doing that well before the, the, the COVID disruption happened, and we were way ahead of the game. All the systems were built, and the cameras, and the technology was all there in place here at Daybreak. And that was one way. But, you know, someone told me during this, Jason, that think about this with with the lockdowns, as scary and as crazy as that was, that the gospel was getting into more people's homes probably than ever because people were searching for God during those times and they found him and the gospel was getting, you know, church services were being broadcast. Worship was happening in homes that it never happened before. I think that's so incredible to think about i think that beep indicated that was a good point that was an exclamation point (laughs) but you you uh, move on to the fourth point and you talk about um the length of drought is dependent on something so in the story of elijah what's important to note is that elijah's actions during first kings 18 during that confrontation we mentioned earlier with all the 450 problems of Baal, that his actions on Mount Carmel, and afterwards, they were a part of how God ended the drought. So somehow, in God's sovereignty and his plan, and that's way bigger than what our minds can comprehend, but Elijah's actions were part of how God ended that drought because there's a point where Elijah goes back and says, it's going to rain, get yourself ready, and then it talks about that in that chapter. But here's what I think the parallel and the point is for us to today is, is that the length of this drought... I truly believe, Jason, it depends on how we as God's people and particularly God's kingdom leaders and influencers, how we respond to it. And I believe that coincides our response to this this disruption. I believe that our response will will somehow coincide with the length of this disruption that we're that we're feeling today. Elijah was faithful and he showed up. And it ended in a confrontation. And the question I've been asking is, will this 
disruption? Will it need a confrontation to end? I'm not sure. And I have some thoughts on that. But, but you know, my question, Jason, has been during this disruption, why aren't our churches packed with people? Why aren't our churches packed with people? Why aren't they full? And then there's a lot of human answers that we could give to that in our perspective. But from what I, anecdotally, I've read a lot of the, the, the research and the data, but anecdotally combining what I've read and what I've heard from friends and colleagues around the country, in America particularly, is that churches are between two-thirds and three-fourths, you know, right? Upwards of, of no more than 75% of what their previous attendance was, you know, at the beginning of 2020. So there's a lot of change happening. And I think that's a valid question to go. Why aren't our churches full if we're in this major disruption when we should be seeking out God? And you've mentioned you can place the blame on so many different things. The culture, Hollywood, media, school, you can place all the blame on outside sources. But really it comes down to us as Christians in the church And how are we continuing the great commission of going out and making disciples and reaching out into the world that is doomed in a sense? And in this disruption period, do we have the compassion and empathy for other people that are struggling to go, there is hope. Let me point you to the hope. And it's not about filling a seat for the sake of a number check. But it's about filling the seat so that they can hear the truth of and the hope of Jesus Christ so that it can continue to expand God's kingdom. And we we may place the blame on so many things. Uh, you know, people just don't want to be inside of a building. And, you know, people are weird right now and all the reactions to COVID. And it's like, but are we still continuing to be the church in people's lives, in our neighborhoods, in our own homes? Are we kind of going, I'm, I'm going to go the path of least resistance, and this is taking me away from the church? And, uh, you know, what I found, 2020 was such a transformational year for me personally. And what I would say right now is what one of the ways it transformed my life is I look at the world so much differently, and I look at it and see the opportunities rather than the obstacles. And as, as I interact with a lot of people of faith, it seems to me like there's way more people that are just focused on the obstacles. They're focused on the negative. They're focused on the things that aren't happening instead of the things that are. They're focused on the disunity rather than the unity. They're focused on the things that, that are going wrong instead of things that are going right. And I think when that starts to happen to us as people of faith, as Christ followers, we, we're going to miss out on what Isaiah 41 said when God said through the, the prophet Isaiah, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? In other words, are you seeing it? Because you could miss it. You could miss this new, beautiful, wonderful thing that I'm doing. And I believe that God has done that throughout history. He's always doing something new. And he is during this time. And I believe, as you said, Jason, that the fault of why our churches aren't full lies at our own feet as Christ followers. That... For some reason, our lack of urgency, desperation, personal devotion. I think when when COVID first started happening, here's what I saw. I saw all kind of local, regional, and national prayer efforts and international ones start. And they were happening almost 24 hours a day. I was getting invitations and was a part of so many different prayer groups and prayer meetings and prayer efforts and people saying, let's really take advantage. And you know what happened after that? 
it stopped. And people's desperation and dis- and it stopped and the disruption became normal. And then I think it feels to me like as leaders and as believers, we just kind of grew numb and cold to the opportunity before us to really dig in and seek after God personally in ways that we never had before. And I've thought to myself, Jason, if God cannot get our attention through this, what in the world will it take? I can't even imagine. And I don't know if you're willing to admit this, but you have thoughts on the drought continuing. And I don't know if you want to kind of share of like in, in the next phase of drought, how do we react? Well, I've asked myself this question, Jason. I've asked myself, will this drought end with the confrontation? And I have one thing in particular that I'm thinking about, and I'll share that. And, and, and that is this, that, that at the end of, this may seem like a left turn, but follow me here for a minute, that at the end of this Supreme Court session, probably as they break for the summer, they'll release the Supreme Court's ruling on the, the case that will challenge Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade, if you don't know what that is, it was the 1973 landmark case uh, legalizing abortion in the United States. And since then, there have been millions, tens of millions of lives ended through abortion. Uh, my quick answer to it, when people ask, you know, is abortion murder? Is that a separate human being in there? My scientific response to that is go to the very beginning of cell reproduction in in this embryo, whatever you want to call it, is the DNA the same as the host or not? Is In other words, is the DNA different or the same than the mother's? And from the very beginning, from the moment of conception, we know and can prove absolute without a doubt that that entity, and as I call it a baby, is has separate DNA. Therefore, it's a separate life form. So because of that, I strongly believe that Abortion is the ending of a life. It is murder. And so because of that, we've seen this injustice of millions of the most innocent in our society taken away. And you have to believe when you know the scripture that 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 pile up of injustice and the shedding of innocent blood, it does do something to the heart of God. And it affects the land literally with the spilling of innocent blood. So here's what I would say. Let's imagine, Jason, that in June it's released that the Supreme Court is reversing the decision on Roe versus Wade. If that happens, that will be perhaps this major confrontation that we may face in our society. And who knows the ramifications of a decision like that. What I'm seeing as I follow this very closely is that media outlets seem to be foreshadowing and preparing us for that decision to be overturned. This is a very significant case that was heard beginning December 1st of 2021. They've probably even, Jason, already literally ruled and made their decision, but they're, as they tend to do, especially with controversial cases, they're waiting to release that until, um, until they disband for the season. Um, and so... That could be one example of a confrontational moment, but here's here's the reality, and here's where it comes down to whether or not that happens. We as leaders, particularly, and I'm speaking to you listening, if you're a leader of any kind of influencer in a ministry, a church, family, wherever a sphere of influence is, of faith, 
I believe we need to do what Elijah does, and that is call people to a decision. Who will you follow? And just as Elijah did, are you going to keep going the ways of Baal or the ways of Yahweh? In our world today, we have to call people and force God's people to make a decision on where their devotion is. And I think that's where we're at. And so therefore, Jason, as you ask, I believe this disruption, my personal viewpoint impression is that it will continue on this year. That's my quote unquote prediction for 2022, that this disruption will continue on through this year. And I believe it's up to us as followers of Christ. We will dictate how and when this disruption ends. Well, it is great to be back with you on this podcast. We're so grateful for those of you that listen. We hope this spoke to you today. We hope that you're encouraged. These are really incredible times for us as ministry leaders, working with students in whatever context we're in. For me, I'm in a new season as a lead pastor, but still have a heart for the next generation for young people. And I'm encouraged in the work that we're doing at Never the Same throughout the country. And I want to encourage you in the work that you're doing to continue on in the good work that you're doing to influence the lives of students. And again, we're so glad you're back with us here on the Thought Factory podcast. And please join us for this next mini series of six episodes, which will be a a very, very critical resource for you in your work with students. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.